Ladies and gentlemen, if you like the Smug Film Podcast, do yourself a favor and head over to patreon.com slash smugfilm, where we've got a bunch of great rewards if you donate to the show. For just $1 a month, you'll get a bonus mini episode of the show every Monday in your inbox, as well as access to all past mini episodes. These episodes will never be available on iTunes or smugfilm.com or anywhere else. The only way to hear them is by donating $1 a month through patreon.com slash smugfilm. For $5 a month, you'll get the bonus episodes, plus we'll do a 30-second plug of whatever you want on one episode a month. Whether you want us to plug your website, your movie, your small business, your Twitter handle, whatever it is, we'll plug it. For $10 a month, you get the bonus episodes, plus we'll do a 30-second plug of whatever you want on every single episode of the show. That's four episodes a month. It's an incredible deal. So once again, that URL is patreon.com slash smugfilm. Head on over there today, and we look forward to your kind donation. And now, on to the show. Welcome to the Smug Film Podcast. I'm your host, Cody Clark. With me today is writer, director, actor, Adam Bowers. Hi. Hey. How's it going? Sorry, that was a really pathetic uh, hi. <laughs> so. Well, you yeah. told me before we started recording that you're laying down for this. Yeah. So oh, that was boy, a am I? that was a very laying down. Hey. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm a little too relaxed. I'm gonna kind of elevate myself a, a little. If this, yeah, if this was radio drama, that would have been a very well acted uh, yeah. person laying down. I would say. Oh, cool. I nailed it. Awesome. Absolutely. So Adam Bowers has made two films. I've enjoyed them both very thoroughly. I like him. I'm a fan. He did uh, New Low in 2010 and Paperback is his 2015 film, which uh, I guess it'll probably most people are going to see it this year, though, right? Uh, hopefully, you know, we played at Austin in October and, uh, you know, we're still uh, in that stage right now. But hopefully, you know, like it's it's a bummer with these, like how long it can be to get them out to people, you know, like new low is like a year after it premiered at its festival and stuff. And, uh, so hopefully I feel bad, like, you know, because like this movie was kickstarted. So I want to show all the backers and stuff, the movie, but it's, it's a tough thing to know how to navigate right now without like distribution. Yeah. Right. So yeah, hopefully. Well, Well, it's a great movie. You know, I almost called it a little movie, but I hate when people say like, Oh, it's a great little movie. You know, if it's, if it's about people like, you know, dating or hanging out or whatever well i got i think that's like you know in a way that can be like kind of a compliment these days you know like tangerine Have yeah you seen tangerine? oh i love tangerine that was one of my yeah. favorites of the last year yeah it was great you know that's like almost you know if a movie's good and it's little and it's not just like blasting your senses and stuff um well your I movies mean, that can be good too with like mad max yeah well your movie is 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 gorgeous like right from the first scene of paperback actually both your movies are they're very <laughs> like you know, it's clearly like low budget, but you're not sacrificing as far as visuals, which was always my like that was my impulse when I started making films. It was like, all right, well, what can I do that looks good to me? Like, I don't want to just be yeah. like running around, running and gunning, like, you know, handheld mumblecore style. Like, I want something that feels mm-hmm. deliberate and your fi- your films feel very deliberate visually. Like the opening scene of paperback, I was like blown away because it was it was a quality of like light and looking at like an establishment. Like it, it opens up in a spoiler alert. It opens up in a pizza place yeah. and it just instantly, it's like, bam, it's like, all right, I miss when movies looked like this. Oh, that's cool. Thank you. Yeah, no, I, I mean, yeah, I try to be thoughtful about it and uh, it's, it, I, but I, you know, I think that like there are, you know, it's like that, those, that sort of really loose handheld style has its place but uh a lot of my stuff comes from me i guess like trying to do a good job because i'm worried that it won't be good you know what i mean Mm -hmm. i think it takes a lot of confidence to do something like really raggedy looking and like handheld and everything yeah there Um, are movies that it absolutely works for i don't know if you are you familiar with the safty brothers work oh yeah totally yeah Yeah, like daddy long legs it's gotta look like that like that's the only way no, that yeah, but they have a really, uh, they do have a really beautiful uh, aesthetic. Oh, know, absolutely. Um, but yeah, no, it's just that's I don't know. You know, I'm I'm still playing with different styles as everybody is when they're like you know in this kind of early stage of their journey as an artist. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, 
yeah, no, I think, uh, th- thanks. I'm glad you enjoyed the, the yeah. visualness of it. Absolutely. And, and for those of you listening at home who maybe haven't seen these films, you know, I guess I would, I would describe them as guy riding a bike towards the camera heavy. You know, if, if you like those kind of things and I'm a fan, like I, when a movie starts out with like a guy riding a bike towards a camera, I get excited for some reason, like a, like my boyfriend's back that, uh, like early nineties, late eighties movie. I always, oh, okay. I, I just like guys on bikes riding towards the camera. Yeah, no, that's, uh, yeah. If you like that, then, uh, you're going to love this movie. Yeah. There's definitely definite moments of that occurring and it, it, you know, he's a really funny guy. I feel like I'm selling you the people, but (laughs) (laughs) he's a nice guy. He's a funny guy. No, um, you make really funny movies and you have like a very distinct voice. Like you have a, you know, you look like judge Reinhold, but you're like, (laughs) you're like judge Reinhold, the auteur. Yeah. Oh, that's the greatest compliment anybody could give me. I know. I I know. I look a lot like judge Reinhold. Uh, Have you, have you ever met him? (laughs) No. That'd be crazy. I think we, we would have to like, one of us would have to kill the other. Well, I feel like you should like see him across at like a party, like across a sea of faces yeah. and just look at him and just make eye contact for like a, like a good, like, you know, a couple seconds and ju- then just like mouth the word dad, like with a question <laughs> mark and like dad. I'll definitely, I'll do, I'll do that. And just see what think, happens. Yeah. I don't think Judge Reinhold and I are going to the same parties, but uh, that'd be amazing if I saw randomly saw him. Isn't he like 50, 60 now or something? He's probably up there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I hope I see Judge Reinhold at a party. That'd be great. And you, you've you got more of like a matted hair thing going on. There's like slight poof, but it's more matted. So yeah, if, you, yeah. if you're a fan of Judge just for the hair, they're probably going to be upset when they check out your films because they're going to be like, you know what? His hair is a little too matted for that. Yeah. Yeah. Don't bother if you're just one of those Judge Reinhold hair fans. Yeah. So I actually, I mean, we first met each other a couple of years back we were kind of picked by a mutual friend of ours for an interview for a magazine, which I don't know if it's come, it hasn't come out yet. I don't know if it will come out. I don't know what the deal is, but we talked for a really long time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> that would, you could have done a book from like our conversation. I felt like if it, if it was going to be in the magazine verbatim, like that would be like a, you know, a phone book. Yeah, well, something I appreciated about talking with you, and this was a while ago, but uh, you are, you know, you have a very specific opinion about like what you like and what you don't like. And like you have kind of an extreme opinion about some things, I think, about mo- movies, not like, <laughs> like politically or anything. I don't know, maybe. But uh, I think it's fun to like talk like and hear that because, you know, where we differ and everything like it's not I can be kind of, you know, middle of the road about stuff, but uh it's nice to talk to somebody who's not, you know, not really like that. Yeah, it was a, it was a really good conversation. I hope it yeah. ends up, you know, online in some form at some point. So mm-hmm. you guys can all, who are listening, you guys can all read it. Because I, I think we like covered a lot of like really good ground in it. You know, mm-hmm. we talked about festivals. We talked about, you know, making films and this, that and the other. And then we, you know, I think while we were you know, talking, we then like watched each other's films and then picked up the conversation. And like, it was, it was a really like in-depth, like really smart idea to just like plop two filmmakers down together and then just like have that. Yeah. It's a cool, it's a cool, uh, conversation, uh, idea for like a conversation. Definitely. Yeah. And, uh, so with, with new low, because that's the one that people are going to be able to see, what's the preferred way that they see it currently? Um, well, you know, it's on like iTunes. It's free on Snag Films. Okay. Uh, although, did you ha- you you said you had like a problem with that or something? I did. You? Yeah, it wasn't yeah. working for me. I don't know if it was like a. It might have been like one of those like pop up blocker problems. Maybe. You yeah. know, it could have been as simple as that. But you know, uh, that, theoretically, well, you can watch it on Snag Film. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, so it's free on Snag Film and like YouTube, and it's it's not you know it's like a pay uh, per view on YouTube and stuff like that. So. Yeah, or like, you know, on the website, uh, we sell, I self-distribute DVDs of the movie. But uh, yeah, no, it's it's out there. It's been out there for like four years, maybe three or four years. And uh, it's cool. It's cool that it's like, ex- that it like exists. Right. In a way that's not, you know, it's kind of cool because I got emailed a couple of days ago by this kid who is a film student at, you know, somewhere. Um, and he, uh, he was asking me, he said he likes Nulo a lot and he wanted to... Uh, like his class, he had an assignment to to remake a scene 
from a movie that they liked. So I oh, think wow. he a scene from New Low, and that was really cool. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, that's a that's a real honor. Yeah, and it just was like, man, it's 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 just cool to hear that it's like I don't know how that kid saw the movie, you know. And I that's happened to like you know when I talk to people who've seen it or whatever, you know, it's like I it's not it's no doing on my part that that they saw the movie, and that's that's kind of a fun uh feel that's what you want for your work if you're gonna put all that you know movies are hard so yeah absolutely i mean you know with my own first film shredder you know i it didn't even get into any festivals like i tried for a while and it just it didn't get accepted and then i would see like what got in it and got in and it was like oh come on you know like you look at some other stuff and you're like well how did that get in but like i I just i mean i think i put it on i posted online in like a couple different places and then like it sort of piggybacked and then like I would get like there was an email I got from like a kid in like Scotland and there was a kid in like Africa that like watched it and was like oh my god I've watched this like five or six times like I'm so happy like I found this movie and it's like you don't anticipate that going in that's not you know in your mind of like oh I'm gonna reach some you know whatever it just happens and then it's like it's like wow you you like without deliberately doing it you made some movie that really resonated with some person that you'll you may never meet you know totally and i think that like i've been thinking about how it's just like there's a, there's so many festivals and there's so many movies uh that are made every year uh you know compared to any other you know point in movie history um and i feel like the one thing about that that's like well i don't know if it's the one thing but like uh, something about it, about it that's beneficial or just that's a cool kind of uh results about the way things are right now with the way film distribution is and stuff like that and just how everybody has cameras and and we're all connected and everything is is that you you don't need distribute you like you could put your movie on vimeo for free right or you know you can put it on their their pay thing and people would see it and it's like available to everybody in the whole whole world like i just uh did a short that i put on vimeo and um and vimeo it like tells you you know who is like how many views you've gotten from like each country and that's really cool, you know, because it's like it's surprising. Uh, like there's people in, you know, the Middle East and Iraq and things like that that have seen this short I made. Wow. Um, so it's just yeah, it's like uh, it, I don't know how else that, that could, you know, you could do that unless you were like some huge movie without the Internet. Yeah, I mean, it's it's very difficult to get a movie seen by like a ton of people, but it seems yeah. like it's it's increasingly easier to get seen by like random people across the entire globe maybe it's a it's a handful of people but you might reach a handful of people that really dig it like across the entire earth um Mm -hmm. it's like we're you know because of the age we are we're so locked into the idea still i think of like you know the 90s thing of uh, early 90s thing we're like i mean it used to be impressive to make a movie that used to be like an impressive thing and now it's like well anybody can make a movie so once the impressiveness is gone, I feel like we're in this like sort of awkward period where we're trying to figure out what the model should be because yeah. we're, we're not in that anymore. Like, you know, your films or my films, if they'd come out late 80s, early 90s, you know, we would have had careers like Kevin Smith or Linklater or whoever else. I mean, not to toot our own horn, but we create good things. We yeah. <laughs> like our films are good. They're, they're just as good as, you know, clerks or slacker or anything else. It's just that the timing is, is really weird right now. Yeah. It's tough to be like a, I don't know, like the class division of like filmmakers or the gap kind of is interesting. Yeah. I don't know. It's like there, I mean, there's just so many movies. It's, it's crazy. And I feel like if you made a movie back then that, you know, when Sundance was like first starting, I bet you most I mean, I have no idea if this is true or not, but like, I bet most of the movies that were just made were in it. If they were, yeah. you know, if they weren't like terrible or like, you know, those like just crappy like B movies. But uh, if they had like something to say, that's pretty much that's all you needed maybe back then. But, you know, it's good for the art form, but it's just hard, like logistically, it's hard to be a filmmaker because it's just like, you know, you're in a sea of other filmmakers. Yeah. I mean, you know, let me ask you a question because I've certainly felt this way and I assume you might have, but I don't want to put words in your mouth. Do you ever feel like you're just constantly waiting around for people to suddenly realize that your films are awesome? Oh, every day. 
yeah. all day, every day. <laughs> okay. Because I, I feel like we're in this weird period where, you know, usually periods of film or whatever art form or whatever, it, it's coming out at like a steady enough manageable pace where people can realize what the good shit is as it's coming out. And I mm-hmm. feel like because there's so much of it right now, there's like a delay where it's going to take X amount of years for people to go back and realize, oh, hey, what was that dude doing? You know, while this and that was going on. Oh, he was doing some actual interesting shit. Like that was actually like a really good, you know, whatever. That's how I feel with shit where it's like, you know, people talk about like a five second delay. It's like a, it feels like a five year delay or something. Mm -hmm. You know, you know, like if I have money, if I have millions of dollars and I see new low, I'm thinking to myself, all right, who is this guy? Let me give him some money. Let me get this going. Let me give him a series. Let me, you know, pilot something. Like I see that and I think, all right, this is the guy. Well, that's, yeah. I mean, that's cool. I wish, I wish you had that money. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Like even, I don't know. I feel like even movies that are on the map are still, they can be, they can be very underseen these days. Yeah. Uh, like, I mean, I'd like, I don't know how good this movie was, but there was some movie that was like kind of like this. It was like a comedy, but but it was like a horror comedy, and it and it was like a it's like they got zapped into the mo- like the movie, and they were in like a slasher movie. Was it Final Girls? Was that it? But yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I haven't seen it yet, but I hear I hear good things. Yeah, it sounds like a cool movie, and it's it's like a movie that if it was five years ago, it wouldn't have gotten buried under things. But I just I didn't know when it was out or anything like that. It just kind of like and went, and I'm sure like VOD and stuff like that you know let's things have a let's let's things have a much longer life and that's kind of like in real terms for like people's real lives that's kind of more what matters i think is like it being available on those platforms instead of in theaters um but yeah it's just uh it it, uh, like i think that's a problem that's even more than just between you know movies you know like ours that make smaller splashes you know what i mean yeah it doesn't just happen with us. I mean, like Sean Baker, it happened to for a while. You know, Tangerine has oh. been a great hit and, uh, you know, wonderful film. One of the best of 2015. If you haven't seen it, please, listeners, watch it. It's wonderful. But yes. I remember when he was, he did like a Kickstarter for um, Starlet. He needed finishing money to finish that. He needed like 50 grand and he didn't even make his goal. And oh, wow. he's been doing, you know, solid work for like 10 years, like every one of his films is good. Takeout is good. Uh, Prince of Broadway is good, etc. Like he's a, he's a really good filmmaker. And it's like when he can't raise 50 K on Kickstarter and has to find it some other way, it's like, what chance do we have? Cause like, he's, he's our guy that he's like a guy that we would look up to is like, all right, he's, he's kind of broken out. You know, he's, yeah. he's established that he knows how to do shit. Well, you know, it, it, it's a very strange thing to see. It, it's like a hopelessness where it's like, it's not a hopelessness where we wouldn't continue to make films, but it's just a, it's a thing of, you know, it, it's discouraging, but at the end of the day, we're going to make films anyway. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Kickstarter is, is another, it, it's like another example of something that's really cool about making movies right now, but also is it's tough to raise money if it's close to, 50,000 like why we had a kickstarter for this second movie and um it it was 39 i think was our goal and it was really hard it was like a full-time job like every day at the computer trying to figure out how to you know what i mean yeah like and and, you know again like i think if there were less movies it wouldn't be as hard right uh to raise that money and everything so it's just a weird yeah it's it's weird to know it's hard to know how to like navigate this like the way things are right now because it's just like there's so much going on and there's so there's so many different like types of you know in terms of like film as like the as a medium that's like video and and audio together there's so many different versions of that now whereas before it was you know it started out just uh movies and then it was movies and these television shows which were very different you know in a lot of ways like aesthetically and like this how the stories were told you know, things like that. Those movies and TV, like back then, I feel like they're, you know, they follow the same kind of like language, but not quite. And TV, like you could, t- you could tell like an old TV show from an old movie. Like you could tell them apart very easily. Right. They felt then, l- yeah. like distinct, um, different mediums. Totally. And then like now there are movies and TV 
and Vimeo videos, little home, like iPhone videos, like Instagram, Vine. It's well, just it's like, it's like yeah. South Park was talking about where like kids are watching kids play video games now, which is, <laughs> yeah. that's just what they're doing. Like the millions and millions of hits just watching like another person play a game then they're not playing. So there's, uh, there's just yeah, so sorry, many uh, different sorry. genres now and so many different mediums that are sort of merging, but not merging. Like, I mean, people talking about like video games as they're talking about like films, like now, like they're those games like heavy rain or whatever. Like I'm, I'm way out of the loop with video games. I'm sure I'm bringing up a video game that's 10 years old and everyone's gonna be like, Oh, that's such a dated, you know, because that shit moves so fast. But yeah, that would be an example of like a game where you're basically watching a movie. You're just pressing a button every once in a while. Yeah. You know, video games are totally like a, another thing. And I think that like, you know, you, you just really have to be really good or you have to like, you know, just keep working hard until you get really good these days because, you know, like paperback is kind of paperback is kind of about that actually. Um, well, it, you know, it's, it's kind of about that idea that like you can be pretty good at stuff, but there's, a bunch of people that are great at the exact same thing that you do mm -hmm. for the most part, unless you can like really find your individual voice in a way that's not, that really just doesn't offer like Tangerine. I think it's like, there's no movie like Tangerine and that's what's so cool about it. Um, right. It was, it was a movie that only they could have made. Yeah. And that's, that's like my favorite kind of movie. Like that's what I want to see is I want to see something that, you know, only X could have made like that when that movie Bridge of Spies came out last year, it was like, yeah. all right, Steven Spielberg didn't have to direct that. That could have been like a Ron Howard thing. That could have been a whoever else thing. It just didn't feel like it needed to be a Spielberg film. Whereas like the best Spielberg stuff, it's like, all right, well, only Spielberg could have done that. Like that had to be Spielberg doing that. And yeah. I feel like whenever he like, he falters like with The Terminal or, you know, various other films where it's like, all right, it doesn't need to be Spielberg. That's when it gets not so good. Yeah, I mean, that would be cool if, it was that distinct. Um, and that's something cool, like cool about like Wolf of Wall Street, I think, is that it's so, so Scorsese, but in like a very sophisticated, developed way, even from, you know, his previous stuff, I, th I think. Yeah, um, he felt like with that one where he was, you know, he was doing his Scorsese thing, but he was also like stepping it up a notch in, in various areas, which I really yeah. appreciated. And I felt that from Departed as well. Yeah, although I tried to watch that, like I love that. I love that movie. Mm -hmm. I was like in college and everything. I have the DVD and stuff, and I tried to rewatch it a year ago, maybe or something like that. And it wasn't like it was like too quippy or something almost. It didn't feel like it held up quite as well to me. I could see uh, that happening. I haven't seen it yeah. in so long, but I, I definitely could see that from it, especially with like Alec Baldwin and stuff. Yeah, I mean, it's a funny movie, but it's like it's almost like too. Uh, yeah, it's just like almost too written in a weird way. Uh, mm -hmm. Yeah. Like Donnie Darko is another one that I like tried to watch again. And for me, it wasn't quite, I mean like there were still the parts of it that are really special and everything are good and every, but there are, there are some, there are some things in that movie that seem silly now mm -hmm. because it's like, I don't, and I don't know what separates those things, you know, and, and what, or what makes something not age well versus age well. But, uh, but anyway, I wanted to say like about, tangerine and, and you know what we were talking about with you know developing your voice and everything like that like maybe sean baker wasn't ready to make a movie as good as tangerine until he had made these other movies you know and maybe that was even though he was produ producing stuff that is you know circulated to an extent that movie is like just so good that it's like i wonder if he wasn't ready as like an artist or whatever to make something that is that good and that becomes that big because it's so like undeniably good well i definitely think it's his best film yeah you know i think i, I like all of his films i haven't seen any of the, the other ones so. i think you'll you'll be surprised by how awesome they are you know okay. that, that you haven't seen them yet you'll be like why haven't i heard of these like every day of my life you know uh -huh. they, they each have a pretty distinct quality to them i think you'll dig them but tangerine i do think is far and away his best film because i think it just had that like extra juice to it that I don't think you could have even calculated. Like, I think it was just everything coming together. I would almost relate it to, um, spring breakers, which I, yeah. I was never a harmony Corinne guy. And then spring breakers, I fucking adored. I just love that film so much. And I think it just, it was one of those things too, like tangerine where 
it took an entire filmography, like you're saying, to then, you know, make that film. Yeah. It was like, I finally, I finally got Corinne. And by the way, that movie is shot in like my hometown, basically. Oh yeah. Uh, Does it ring true? (laughs) Yeah, totally. It it, It looks like as close to what it looks like down there as any movie I've seen it. But I always like, it's that movie and magic Mike is also shot in my hometown. Mm. So those are like the two movies that are kind of some captures it pretty well, I think. Now let me ask you a question about magic Mike, because you know, I have issues with Soderbergh as far as like the filters that he's using on like some of his, his more recent stuff. Like I didn't like how filtered to shit magic Mike was, but did that ring true for that location? Uh, What do you mean when you say filter? Well, I mean, there's stuff where like, he's like on a roof. I remember like earlier in the film and it's like, it's a very unnatural, like yellowy filter plastered, plastered over everything. Does that ring true? Like on just a indescribable level as far as that location or does, does that feel like superimposed? Uh, It didn't feel superimposed. That felt pretty like, that feels pretty authentic too. So that's Um, like the vibe of that area. Kind of. I mean, you know, it's like a, Florida coastal town. So it, yeah, I, I think that it's, I, both of those movies, I was like, oh, this is really capturing like this area really well, you know, in this small, like insular version of it that I'm like watching it in. I think you're from where John D'Amico's from then, because, you know, he always talks about adaptation and spring breakers as the two films that truly get Florida. Oh, that's cool. Like the, he can look at those films and he can be like, yeah, that's it. So, uh, yeah. did adaptation yeah. ring true for you? Uh, it's been a while since I've seen it, but, yeah. uh, but I mean, yeah, I think like, I think it, I, th- I think it, it did do a good job of like the, that sort of like mossy, like swampness of it. Mm-hmm. It's a cool, I don't know. It's a cool area. It's like very underused in movies, I think. Yeah. I mean, it, it certainly worked tremendously well with spring breakers and I almost, I almost felt like there was going to be like a sudden boom of like a ton of films set in that location just because yeah. it, it just felt so exciting. Well, there's dolphin tail. So I haven't seen that. <laughs> oh, that's that. You, you know what I'm talking about? That? Yeah. Is that, that, uh, was Morgan Freeman in there or something? Uh, he might've been Harry Connick jr. He did a, he gave a great performance. Um, yeah. but, uh, I'm looking yeah, at that, IMDb I, right now. There's a dolphin tail too, by the way. Oh, I'm aware. <laughs> oh yeah. Morgan Freeman was in it. Dr. Cameron McCarthy. He played. Uh, of course. And uh, uh, Chris yeah. Christopherson. Yeah. Oh, I forgot about him. Ashley Judd. That's uh, that's in my hometown as well, though. Does Dolphin uh, Tail ring true? <laughs> well, it's actually, it's like a weird true, it's like a true story from my area. Like there's the, I don't know if you know what it's about. It's like they find this dolphin w- that doesn't have a tail. Mm-hmm. Get it? Ah, uh, Dolphin so, Tail. Yeah. Also, wow. it's tail, T-A-L-E. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, that's incredible. Going on. But, uh, so they find this dolphin without a tail and they rescue it. Basically it's like trapped or no, no it has a tail. It mm-hmm. starts out having a tail, but it's all like messed up. It's like stuck in a crab trap or something. So they rescue, there's this kind of like Marine life rehabilitation center in our area, like kind of the way there are like bird sanctuaries or something like that, which also is on our area. But, um, they take it and then they have to amputate the tail and then they de- design this like prosthetic tail that like replicates it really well and allows the dolphin because like the dolphin it would basically like paralyze itself because it, of the way it would like swim mm. you know it couldn't yeah it basically just like couldn't swim it would be wiggling sideways instead of up and down uh it's back fin i i mean i'm, I'm i think i remember this correctly but uh so they build a uh a tail for it and that's like it never been done before. And that all happens. And that, like that dolphin is at that. They shot at the, the, you know, the rehabilitation center where that actually happened. And they used the dolphin. They're like, the, that's the dolphin's real story. It's like playing itself. <laughs> <laughs> um, Let me so, ask you a question. Did you yeah. ever think today that you were going to be talking about dolphin tail extensively on this podcast? I had a feeling, actually. Yeah. It usually goes there. Usually comes up. Yeah. Have, so but, you've uh, seen Dolphin Tale too? You said? Well, no, I've seen the first one. Okay. I saw it with my parents when I was when I was home when it was like playing in theaters. Um, because I got good know. news for you. 
What? Morgan Freeman, Ashley Judd, Harry Connick Jr., and Chris Christopherson all come back for the sequel. Oh, that's great. It's not like one of those, you know, knockoff kind of sequels when we were kids yeah. where like it would just be a totally different cast playing the same roles or whatever. No, nope, they all came back. That's great. I'm so glad. They got all of them. And then same director too. Oh yeah. And it's it's crazy because that movie, it became like a big tourist pull for people. It was like a pretty it like did pretty well. So like that Marine, you know, rehab science center uh, place got like a ton of money. It's like really busy now and they ha- like they've expanded and it's just crazy that like it's all from that movie. I really want to see these now. <laughs> I mean, I don't want to oversell it. There's, it's not, if anything, a, you're underselling like story, it. Yeah. There's a storyline where like it, it follows like the, a little boy who's like finds the dolphin or something like that. But like there's this side story where his older brother. Well, I don't want to spoil it. I like but, little uh, boys finding animals. Yeah, that's a good genre. That's a great little subgenre. Oh, and Hoot is another Florida movie that's Hoot. about yeah. it's a similar movie. You know what I'm talking about? I remember the title. I'm pulling it Brie up Larson now. Is in it. Who's in when it? She was a little, Brie Larson when she was a little kid. She oh, yeah. Like, she's up for an Academy Award, right? Yeah. And, you know, so. Did you great. see that one, Room? Is it any good? Oh, it's great. Yeah. Yeah. I is was it, saying that, like, I was telling my, oh, what were you going to say? I was going to say Luke Wilson's in it. Tim Blake Nelson. Everybody loves Tim Blake Nelson. He's a good character actor. I yeah. want to see that new uh, Coen Brothers movie that because and I was just watching a preview of it today. I was watching The Simpsons and like between a you know on a, like Hulu commercial break, it uh, played that and busy George day Clinton, for Adam Bowers. I, I know I'm <laughs> freelancing right now, so I'm like between things and I'm like have not I have no idea what I'm doing in my life. But uh, George Clooney is so like uh, goofy in it, but it's like I really like seeing him as being goofy. And I had a friend actually who was cast in that movie, and he. Uh, had a scene with with George Clooney, and he was saying that the Coen, Coen brothers told him that it was like the third movie in their trilogy of like George Clooney is an idiot movies, <laughs> uh, which is a which is like I mean I'm sure that was kind of a joke, but like he is really good at playing like an idiot. He is uh, he he like does goofy well. I'm even in like a, I mean I wouldn't call it goofy, but Fantastic Mr. Fox that was like one of my favorite things he was in for like a while. Yeah, it would be interesting to see him in like a live action Wes Anderson thing. But I thought because he fit really well, like performance wise in that movie. I yeah, I thought he was great. So let's let's bring this back to Hoot real quick. Okay. <laughs> so Hoot, like Dolphin Tail and like Spring Breakers, kind of completes your uh, your experience, right? Yeah, yeah, and you know, and, and Magic Mike, and like um, it's a pretty good like uh, capturing of. Is it a Hoot? Is it? Is it funny? What is what I heard? My area? No, no. <laughs> the movie. Like, oh, the I don't movie, know why there isn't a quote on the poster saying it's a hoot. Yeah. That seems like a missed opportunity. I know they blew it. Maybe that's maybe that's why it bombed. I don't know if it was a bomb. But yeah, um, yeah I don't know. It's just a cool, it's a cool area. My girlfriend like is from California and she, before I brought her to Florida, she assumes that it was you know everything that she read about on like buzzfeed and and all that you know because it gets made fun of a lot it like there are things like that but it's she was really won over by how nature wise it's really how dolphin tail-esque it was yeah it's got dolphins like you know there's dolphins all over the place it's cool nice they're cool animals have you swam with dolphins yes and also one time when i was uh, in college, I was at the friends. I was at the beach with a couple friends, and we were just kind of like in. What's cool about Florida beaches is that you can hang out on the water all day. Like in the Pacific, it's like really cold, and you have to just jump in and then jump out. Right, and like, you can't really enjoy it. But in the in Florida, like it's really uh, it, during the summer, it can be like bathwater almost, um, and it's really nice. And uh, so I was there standing in like chest deep water with a couple friends and this family of manatees like swam through us basically and we and i like reached out and i like petted them as they went by and it was really cool you know like yeah do something like that so stuff like that like can happen i feel like like you got an animal movie in you oh yeah that'd be great (laughs) you should you should you know mine that i feel like that's an unexplored territory you need Uh, you need uh like I want you to direct like the next Airbud or something. 
That would be that would be amazing. I would ta- I would actually take that job if that was like offered to me. Me that too. Would, that would be really fun. I saw my first Airbud film. I think a year. No, no. I mean a month ago. Why did Why did I jump back that far? <laughs> I saw. It's been I saw, a long. You've been going through a lot since since you saw it. <laughs> it felt like a year watching it. Yeah. But yeah. um, no, I was surprised by how much I liked it. I think it was like Airbud four or five, and uh, they're cranking them out. I don't know. Well, I think there's like twelve or fifteen now because they. Here's the thing. They spawned off into Air Buddies and Air Buddies has its own like set of sequels and shit. But I'm an Air Bud purist. I only like the Air Bud series because that's when the animals didn't talk. Oh, yeah. The Air Buddies do. Yeah. Air Buddies talk all the goddamn time. You can't (laughs) shut them up. I I saw this. I saw Spooky Buddies. The uh, I was looking at that one. I wanted to see it. It's uh, it's kind of funny to watch, actually, but it's like a complete ripoff of hocus pocus oh wow it's like the it's it's like beat for beat like the same movie except Smug it's got film it. exclusive yeah breaking it's news weird, it's really weird because i don't i don't know if the people who made hocus pocus are aware of spooky buddies but i'm curious to see if they would not, not be happy with the makers of spooky buddies if they saw the movie could be what if we like accidentally start like a spooky buddies <laughs> hocus pocus beef that could be linked back to this podcast. Like they find out about each other and they just go at it. Well, if, as long as justice is served. Um, yeah. I'd be happy. I would My say girlfriend so. uh, wrote a couple articles for Vice. And um, we took her, when she when we were visiting back home uh, in Florida, we took her to Hulk Hogan's restaurant. Nice. Uh, it's like Hogan's Beach, I think it's called. And it's closed down now because of all the you know stuff that he said. Mm. <laughs> he said all these things and now he you know, can't own a restaurant. Um, but when we were there, we, she took a bunch of pictures and she was like going to write a vice article about it. So she wrote that she wrote this vice article and, uh, one of the pictures was the dress code of the restaurant. And it was a, it was an area like in Tampa where there were, it was actually like, there had been like problems with like gangs in the restaurant. Cause it's like a big, like party restaurant. It's like on the beach and there's like a bar, like right. an outdoor bar, but there's, it's also like a sports bar sort of restaurant. So like there were like problems with gangs and stuff. So the dress code was kind of anti gang, but it also seemed weirdly racist. So she put up like the, the picture in her article, she included this picture of the dress code and somebody on Reddit, like took her picture and reposted it on Reddit being like, look at this racist dress code in Hulk Hogan's new restaurant. And it became this huge thing that he had to like apologize for. And it, my girlfriend like had like she almost felt bad because like people were really like be, like making him Hulk Hogan feel really bad. And this was before like the weird stuff that he did. Right. Yeah, it was interesting. Like she in, very innocently and mis- like by accident basically like did that. You know, you you never think that you can like touch Hulk Hogan's life. <laughs> and it's that's true. Just, that's I never the, power of the internet, man. Yeah, I never think about that in life. Yeah, but it's true. I could, you know, if I really wanted to, I could, I could touch Hulk Hogan's life in some way. All right, we're gonna take a quick break here, and we'll be right back with more Adam Bowers. See you soon, ladies and gentlemen. The Smug Film Podcast is brought to you by Jay Brunner at Bobby Slow on Twitter. That's the name Bobby and the word Slow. Follow this guy on Twitter. He supports us on Patreon. Good man good tweets. If you like funny things, if you like people that exist, he's certainly one of them. So uh, check out his stuff. Follow that man. Enjoy yourself while doing so. Also, if you haven't checked out Minor Key Games, do yourself a favor and do that. Minorkeygames.com. Great computer games. Cheap, too. They're always doing some sort of sale on there. I love their games. Super Win the Game, Eldritch, You have to win the game. Neon Struct. These are good games, folks. They're made by Dave and Kyle Pittman, and they support the show via Patreon. And you should check out their stuff. MinorKeyGames.com Our other sponsor is, of course, Rick Harper. Room Full of Spoons. His upcoming documentary on the movie The Room. Find out all about it at RoomFullOfSpoons.com He talked to damn near everybody who had something to do with the room. It's amazing the work that he put into this and his crew. You've heard him on the podcast. He's been on a couple times. He's a great guy. He's supporting this show. 
So check out roomfullofspoons.com. And now, back to the show. Hello, Smug Film fans. Did you know that Smug Film now has a voice box? Just call the following phone number. 718395 and leave a question or a comment about the show along with your name, and we may play it on a future episode. Thank you for listening, and now, back to the show. I have another Hulk Hogan story if you want to hear it, but it's like a secondhand Hulk Hogan story. Go for it. Um, my brother, when he was in high school, he, he saw me, myself, and I, and like Hulk Hogan is from my area. He like lives in my hometown too. Like nice. A lot of professional wrestlers do. So he, my brother was going to see me, myself, and Irene, and he uh, was peeing after the movie or something like that. And Hulk Hogan came up in the urinal next to him and goes to my brother, and there's nobody else in the bathroom. And he was, he goes to my brother. I got to piss like Jim Carrey. And uh, <laughs> my brother's like, oh, okay. And then he thought it was really, it's just a really weird one, inter- like your only interaction with Hulk Hogan. Right. Because that, that's a, like, if you, I don't know if you know what he's re- like talking about. No, I remember. But, okay. Yeah. He has, he has like a boner and he like pees. He pees basically right where my brother would have been. So <laughs> that's a great anyway, little story. Those are my two Hulk Hogan stories so far in life. Yeah. You know, yeah. I'm sure you'll have know. way more roundabout interactions with, with the Hulkster. You never know. Actually, I've never seen him. And it's really annoying because most people in our area have like a friend of, or not a friend. He was actually kind of like a bully, <laughs> but uh, for this bully, uh, or this kid <laughs> who was kind of like a jerk in middle school. He uh, took Hulk Hogan's daughter to prom, like prom or homecoming one year in high school. And it's like, so they're that intertwined. Right. I've never seen Hulk Hogan. Hmm. It's really annoying. Because, you know, like, wouldn't you want to see Hulk Hogan? It's not like seeing, like, Brian Dennehy or something like that. Like, I wouldn't care about seeing him. I would. Well, I mean, you know, Brian Dennehy's okay. But, like, he's not a he's not a unique-looking person. I want to see, like, celebrities that are, if I saw them in real life, they wouldn't look like real people. Well, it's like they're, they're living cartoon characters. Yeah. It's yeah. like I want to meet, like, Mr. T, you know? It's that same okay. kind of thing. Yeah, he would be a very, very similar uh I wonder if you would see him with like the chains. I wonder if he wears chains. I think he does. Yeah, I think he's keeping that going. I read that uh, the chains, you know, because it was like a ton of different chains that he wore around his neck all the time. Mm. I read that it was a clip, like they were all like to get like melded together. And it was like one clip that he did in the back. And that was it, mm. which is smart. That is smart. Yeah. Well, that's a, that's kind of like what Rick Ross does now with his uh, his chains. He's kind of keeping that Mr. T thing going. I'm not, to be honest, I'm not really familiar with Rick Ross. I know who he is. I you should, like you should get on the Rick Ross train. It's a, I'm a, I like Drake. Yeah. You're a Drake guy. Oh yeah. Yeah. I'm, if I had to pick, I would go Rick Ross just cause I just like his vibe better, but Drake's, Drake's good. Drake's That's enjoyable. Cool. I'll, I'll check out uh, Rick Ross. I just, you know, I like uh, my jams to be like super smooth. You like your smooth jams. Yeah. Is this, this is a, <laughs> is this going to be a really unsatisfying, uh, <laughs> like interview for I, like if people I, are investing like 20 minutes into it or well, let's, 20 minutes of let's it. bring it all back home because okay. i still okay. got some questions about your stuff all I right talk so, about drake all day so it's, 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 i know you could all right so between new low and paperback you know you had like three or four years between them um what were you doing in those three and four were you writing were you trying other stuff what were you what were you up to <laughs> well for the first year you know i was kind of like this was all when new low premiered and everything and was doing festivals it was all very new. Yeah, I was 25. I was like, a, I lived in LA for like a year and I was going around to like, you know, the different festivals that I played at and I was getting used to like having like a manager and stuff like that. And I was just was kind of like learning, try, like trying to learn how to like not screw everything up. Right. Uh, but so that like, that, that kind of took up a whole year and I did like, I, I did improv out here too for like five or six years and then I, I i stopped when i was editing paperback but so i mean that that took up a lot of time too but for the first year i was kind of like i was trying to you know sell the movie and i was just kind of taking it around and everything and then i didn't even really like know what i was going to do next at that point i didn't know like what the next thing i would do would even like look like or feel like i hadn't like found my voice yet because New Low was kind of like the first, it was like an extension of a short I made, but it was the first stab at this like specific 
thing I was I was going for. Um, so I didn't really see how I could make you know develop that further uh, at the time. So I was like trying to find my voice basically, and then uh, I wrote a script that that what that did that it finally like clicked. I had that feeling where I was like, oh, this is oh, this is like where I'm going. Mm. Um, and and then you know I basically like I spent a couple of years develop like developing that and then trying to get that off the ground uh and i had like a really good producer on it and like uh this really good company executive producing we had attached a couple actresses at various stages but uh we couldn't package it like we couldn't get the we couldn't put it together in such a way that we would get the money we needed for it mm. which is why i exact then, same thing happened to me by the way oh really yeah crazy um, well, one of the reasons for me why we couldn't is because we were trying to make it with me in the lead because I, you know, acted in my first movie and everything. It was very much a part of, I, you know, me in it was very much a part of the feeling of the movie that was the consensus. So we were trying to package it with me in the lead and that we couldn't like, we couldn't get big enough people who worked in the other two or three role, like big roles in the movie that were like, you know, big enough that would bring in the money that would compensate for me being in it. So we just, we tried to do it for a while. And then I kind of put it aside and made, I'd written this other movie in the meantime. And it was a smaller movie that I felt like I could do much cheaper and it would be back in Gainesville. And I just was kind of trying like new low. I wrote with like knowing that like in a couple of months I was going to make it. So I was like very aware of, like how to write it in such a way where, you know, I was just very aware that I was like going to have to pull all this stuff off. So I wasn't writing it too big. And then the second movie that we were trying to get made for a while was bigger than, you know, I kind of didn't have that inhibition uh, during that, during the writing of that yeah. movie. So, so that's kind of was an issue. So I, I wanted to write something small and doable again. So that's what paperback was. So I like, I got to a point where I was like, you know what, I have this other scripts I kind of want to just make something. It's, it had been like three or four years since I had made new low and, you know, in retro, like it took a lot, like it was a hard, it was a harder movie than new low was because it was just kind of a weird budget level. Uh, that was like hard to, I was, I was like spending more money on things that was like, you know, a more normal amount to spend on like sound and things like that. Mm -hmm. Whereas new low was like, basically nothing was nothing was like paid for almost. But, um, you know, but we didn't really have enough to like do it the correct way or do it like in a good timely fashion. So it just everything took a long time. And I had, you know, I, I ended up doing a lot myself and like it just took a lot. I was in like a cave basically with this second movie for like two years almost. And and it's cool. And but, you know, it's like I think about how many shorts I could have made during that time and what that would have been like if I was just like. I don't know, like you asked like what I was doing for these years in between and like the past two or two and a half years were, you know, just like focused on this one huge like behemoth of a project. It was like a small movie, but even for such a small movie, it was like a very because of the way it was done, you know, that certain like kind of weird no man's land level of production value and everything. Uh, it was yeah, it just was a very, you know, time time consuming. Um, well, luckily, the, I mean, the finished product hasn't suffered one bit. I mean, it, oh, thanks, man. it looks, it feels, it talks like a movie. It's it's a really enjoyable thing. And cool. um, it, I can definitely relate to your struggle because I, you know, I feel like you and me are the kind of guy where if somebody gave us like $2 million a year, we could deliver a movie a year, just like Woody Allen or anyone else. It would just come out of us. Yeah, that would be sweet. I'd but, that. you know, that that's not happening currently, you know, right. could happen one day. You never know. Never but like know. people don't realize like when you when you have low resources, things take way longer. It doesn't necessarily mean the finished product is going to suffer. Like you can kind of finagle it and, and make sure that what you're creating still looks and feels good. Maybe it's not 110 percent true to your vision, but I, even people who work on, you know, hugely like budgeted films, you know, experience that, too, where it wasn't. Like, yeah, that's true what they want it to be. But um, yeah, it just takes like a really long time. It's like, I feel like if you had the resources in order, you would have made five films. Like who knows? Like I've made two films since uh, 2011. And my second film was going to be, you know, a similar situation like yours where we had people attached. 
I had like a producer attached. It was, it was developing, it was growing into something and then it just never really happened. And mm-hmm. I, I felt like I, I kind of got screwed out of my like idea of like, oh, I'm, I'm going to make a film a year kind of thing. It's like, I feel yeah. like deprived of, of that trajectory that I was going on. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a bummer when you can't take it across the finish line like that, when you actually have like a shot at making something no budget. It but, took me, it took yeah. like three years out of like my film career. I felt yeah. like it, of just well, yeah. trying to get it going and it always keeps seeming like it was going to happen and then just didn't happen. Yeah. It's tough to know how to like, to know when to either just like let it kind of like, like let the gears keep turning and folk and you focus on like another smaller thing or mm. I don't know, but you know, like Joe Swanberg, he's, he just like cranks them out and my, I, you know, I'm not a like huge fan of his, a lot of his like earlier movies, but, uh, I mean, you know, it's just kind of like, he's, it's very clear why he's doing really well now and he deserves to, cause he, he's worked really hard and he's explored, you know, he's, he's, he hasn't gotten bogged down. Like he's probably like the filmmaker more than anybody. That's like a perfect example of like, he really is taking advantage of the time that he's making movies in. Yeah. It's kind of like that Roger Corman thing. You know, he yeah, feels yeah. like a, you know, an indie mumblecore Roger Corman where like it's not even about the the individual quality of the films anymore. It's just about creating enough that you've created uh, some type of something, you know, like, yeah, yeah. you know, you look at Roger Corman stuff, it's very genre and you look at his right. stuff. It, it's not like that, but it's that similar um, vibe of just, all right, let's just crank it out like crazy and we'll become a thing just by doing that. We'll we'll insist on our vision that much that that we're just synonymous with a certain type of thing. Although you know, like to kind of take it back to what we were talking about at the beginning with festivals and everything. Like, I don't know if a I don't know if a Joe Swanberg would be as prominent if he was starting now because this was like ten years ago that, right. that all those guys started. And even when New Low played Sundance, I feel like there were a lot fewer people weren't doing making movies to the extent that they are now, even, you know, in 2010, because just like, it's been like only the past couple of years, I feel like where it's been really, the access has been really easy and like a bunch of people are getting into it, which is cool. Um, but yeah, it's like tough for, it's tough to like stick out, but I, you wonder if you would hear about just Wanberg if it was now, I don't know. Yeah. Cause he, feel- you know, you could be making good stuff and, uh, there's just, there's enough, there's a lot of stuff that's, that is made, that's made, that's good that you just like, don't really see. And and I get it too. Like if something is really, really good, like Whiplash, I thought was like, was really good. Not that that's like a really small movie, but like, that's a movie where I was like, oh, it makes sense why this like crossed over. Yeah. Why it resonated with so many yeah. people. And Tangerine, the, the same, like it's like something that's like crazy fresh and really, really effective like will still like wiggle its way out of the crowd. But, you know, I feel like it's much more likely that like, even if you're making really good stuff, it's hard to stick out because there's a lot, like if you go on Vimeo, like there's so many good shorts on Vimeo of like all different kinds. There's a lot, there's a lot of good things being made and people like people are able to make things and people are able to be good now instead of just like never get a chance. Yeah, I think it's like a weird timing thing, too, because like I think, you know, Whiplash or Tangerine, you know, they're great films, but, you know, a year or two plus or minus and they might not be as as relevant as you'd think. Like, who knows if if, you know, in 10 years we'll go back and watch Whiplash and be like, eh, you know, like we we are with uh, Donnie Darko or whatever. But um, like I felt with like my own stuff uh, when I when I made Shredder, you know, you make it and you're like all right, well, I made the thing that I wanted to make. Mm-hmm. And then it's, that's completely separate from the fact of like people actually watching it and digging it or whatever. But I felt like that was, when I made that film, it was like, I made it, you know, five or six years too late or five or six years too early or like mm-hmm. it, it felt either simultaneously like ahead of its time or behind its time. Because when I made it, it was definitely like a reactionary thing to like very messy cinema Sure. That I didn't, I didn't resonate with at all, but it came out, you know, at the time of a lot of messy stuff or maybe just 
right at the end of it. And I don't know like what the factor was that like no film festivals wanted it for some reason, but it just just happened like that. But, you know, it's all about what people like individuals feel about the film at the end of the day. And like if enough individuals get to see your film and resonate with it, then it has a life. And I think, uh, you know, we're, we're making the, we're, we're going for the individuals, you know, (laughs) when we're making our films, that seems to be our target demographic is, 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 is individuals. Like single guys. you mean? (laughs) Well, not necessarily single guys, but like, you know, when a friend of mine once said like, your films are made to be watched sitting in your bed with all your lights off on your laptop just by yourself. Yeah, that's cool, though, I think, like, because that's something that a lot of people do now. Like, mm-hmm. you know, like I'll like me and my girlfriend, like a lot of times when we watch movies, we're just like laying in bed, like on a laptop. Exactly. And it's nice to watch watch things like that. By the way, have you ever have you heard of uh, two, two Doors, Nicole? It's fr- like a French Canadian movie. No, it reminded me a lot of Shredder, like the way it looked and stuff. You should check it out. I should. Or, Wait, it's, it's it? like T-U-D-O-R-S. So it's like French. Ah, so not like two doors. No, not like three doors. Three doors down. Oh, I okay. I I remember this movie existing. I haven't yeah, seen it yet. That's good. But I will but, uh, check it out. Um yeah, like I don't know. It's maybe, you know, there are like laptop movies and big screen movies and phone movies. I think that's uh, what we're realizing. I think that's yeah. what what you know, Hollywood's realizing too is like you know, the big push for like big Marvel stuff it's yeah it's superhero stuff but a lot of it is really it's just movies that people are definitely going to go see on a big screen yeah it's It's spectacle yeah it's like that's the that's really what they're going for you know it's they just happen to be approaching that from a superhero aspect currently or a you know franchise aspect with like star wars or whatever currently but the, the real thing is like people are realizing there's some stuff you don't need to see in theaters like i'm I'm a big champion of, of small film, but I'm not out there, you know, every weekend championing it by going to theaters and seeing it because I just don't feel like I need to. I don't feel like I gain that much from uh, seeing it in that way. Whereas I would if I would like if I'm seeing Star Wars seven, I don't want to see it on my laptop. I want to see it big first. Yeah, yeah, totally. And I think that a lot of like, I mean, I wouldn't I don't care if people don't like I know some guys who make movies and ladies are uh they want it to be seen in the cinema and i don't really care and i think that a lot of people are getting used to the idea of having their stuff watched in ways that they can't perfectly control you know like you're a short you make might be watched on a train on somebody's phone mm-hmm. you know and that's you know that's not like the best way maybe to watch a short like the short or maybe it is for the, the type of thing that it is but like i think for the most part people are used to it now and like used to the way we all live now and the way we all like watch things and i don't know it's I, we def- we're definitely like in a change period of like change still where we're still all kind of trying to figure out how we feel about you know these different things that we've been talking about and what to do about them or like if there is anything to do about them well your but, your film yeah. is called paperback and i watched it like i was reading a paperback book you know, oh, that's really cool. I yeah, was I laying down on that. my couch. Yeah, it was basically on my belly on my laptop. <laughs> I, you know, it might as well have been, you know, a paperback. And I think we're we're realizing that it feels like there's becoming like a niche of, of watching stuff that's more aligned with uh, sitting and reading stuff. Yeah, no, that's that's cool to hear. I haven't like really heard it put that way before. I think we're on to something here. You know, we might have not exactly solved uh, the world of film on this episode, but I do think we're onto something where smaller stuff needs to be seen smaller. And they're just, maybe there isn't even the public consciousness. Like it's something people feel deep inside them, but it isn't something that has been tapped into commercially fully well yet, because I feel like, you know, Netflix dropped the ball as far as film, you know, Mm -hmm. people still associate being on Netflix as like, Oh, you're a film. If you're on Netflix, but mm-hmm. Netflix has said they're like, we don't care about films anymore. We just want to do original content and like have some TV shows on there. Yeah, um, that's interesting. Yeah, but, but it's like Netflix is still the thing people are, associate with film, but there needs to be something else. There needs to be like something that makes sense. You know, iTunes has tried to do it, Amazon has tried to do it, but it has to be like more of a consciously uh, 
driven thing because it, you know, it, it feels too much like of an af- afterthought on iTunes or Amazon still. Yeah. Well, I feel like a lot of people, a lot of companies like haven't figured out how to, because this is like part of the thing that I feel like we're in right now is like an everything is free sort of yeah mentality. And there are ways to like still put your movie out in a way that you are able to get reimbursed for, for it or whatever. Um, as like the guy, person who made it. But uh, yeah, I feel like a lot of companies are, they expect more than what people are used to giving. Cause and that's why like, they'll just be like, well, I'll just download it like illegally or whatever. Mm-hmm. I ran into this kid uh, at Austin and he told me that he saw new low. Uh, he was there for like paperback and he told me that he saw new low he like got it off a torrent site. Mm. <laughs> I was like, I was like, Oh, that's cool. Can you tell me which one? But, uh, and but he was, you know, but he was there for paperback. Bother. Yeah. He was there for paperback and like, it didn't, yeah, it didn't bother me at all. Yeah. And I don't know. It, it's still being seen. And the fact that it's like, I, I, I actually looked it up and I couldn't find it torrented anywhere if I remember right. But it's kind of cool. If it's like your movie is being pirated, that's like something. Well, people yeah. wanting it is always something. I think. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, like, again, like, I think that I would be, I try to just, like, make them and then move on and, like, forget about them and start, like, working on another thing or whatever. But because I think you get, like, for me at least, like, I am, that's when I'm, like, the most content is when I'm just, like, focusing on, like, the specific, like, creating of one of these, you know, whether it's writing or, like, shooting it or editing. Mm-hmm. Um yeah. So I, to me, like if you, you know, went on those, during those times, cause I did produce both movies. I had, I had other producers on paperback, but, um, I had to handle all of that other stuff for both movies for the most part. Um, you know, the non-creative stuff and well, not in paperback. I mean, like after, after the fact, after we were done shooting, everything, right. pretty much like was, have been handling things that producers would otherwise handle. But yeah, like it, it's, I've always like, I always get like more neurotic or just like I'm, I'm just not having as good a time if I'm if I'm doing that that part of it, and so I wish that I could just like make them and kind of just like wipe them off the desk and then like start making the next one and then wipe it off the desk. Yeah, you know? I agree. Yeah. I mean, that, I don't think it comes naturally to anybody who thinks creatively minded because it's totally a, a different skill set. I think you look at somebody like Kevin Smith, who is, has kind of nailed that and nailed that early on, you know, whatever you think about his films, you know, he, he can sell his films just as good as he can make them. You know, he, yeah. Yeah. Once you have an audience, you know, like, well, he, you know, he grabbed that audience and he kept it, you know what I mean? Like he, he, he made it a thing like, you know, so it was almost like what you see with like kiss where there's like kiss lighters, kiss condoms, kiss, whatever. He kind of did that with his view askew stuff. Yeah. I mean, I do like, I don't know, I guess you do. You, I mean, yeah, we live in the real world and you have to think about that sort of stuff, but yeah, I don't know how, how smart it is when you're still trying to find your audience and trying to get to a place where your work is like sustaining itself. I don't know how smart it is to like, how much time is smart to like spend on that versus just like doing the Joe Swanberg thing. Yeah. I think I really do think that, you know, guys like us, we just got to keep our nose to the grindstone, just keep cranking them out. You know, this is a conversation where like after it, I just want to be like, all right, well, what the fuck am I making right now? (laughs) You know, cause I have, I have a movie that I wrote that I'm, I'm waiting. I need like a couple grand so I could just fucking shoot the thing. And even like that is like a hurdle for like a filmmaker like myself in my position right now with no damn money. But yeah. like, I'm thinking like, all right, well, what the fuck could I make for no money? You yeah. know, that was kind of my, my vibe for my second film. I was like, well, I'm waiting around trying to make this film. That's supposed to be this big thing that I have this producer attached and these names attached and blah, blah, blah. And that's not happening. So why don't I just see what I can make just on my own? I end up making like a documentary for like 200 bucks that I, that I was really proud of and was really happy I did, but it was just cause I was like, fuck it. I hate waiting around. Like waiting around is like, it sucks years out of your life. It's like the synecdoche New York thing where like you wake up one day and you're like 20 years older, you know, and you're like, you're like, but I was working on the same project. Why isn't time standing still? You know? Yeah. Yeah. No, it's definitely, especially like with, with how kind of 
obvious your popularity is these days like you know how many twitter followers you have or whatever right it, that i mean i feel like that's something that even like regular people can like have trouble with is like being just very placing a lot of value on that and you know for people for creative people or people trying to work in movies or television or whatever that there is value in those things but uh it doesn't necessarily suit everybody's talents yeah uh, and for the people whose talents it does not suit, I wonder how, like, you know, you were saying, like, how much they should just, like, keep going versus trying to push it out there. I don't know. Yeah. All right, man. Well, if you're listening, you haven't seen Adam Bauer's films. Well, you can only really see one of them right now. I was right. lucky enough to receive a screener, and I'm very grateful for that. I really enjoyed it. Oh, thanks, man. I appreciate it. And, uh, you know, go go watch New Low. Figure out a way to do it. You know, whether you're doing it iTunes, whether you're doing it Snag Film, or whatever else. Check that one out, people. If you enjoyed talking, if you enjoyed listening to him, I enjoyed talking to him. If you enjoyed listening to him, then uh, I, I think you'll, you'll dig it. Uh, any final thoughts for our listeners? Uh, well, thanks for saying all that stuff. Uh, first of all and uh no yeah I, happy to be on it's fun to fun to chat and uh yeah go see try to find new low if you <laughs> i dare you <laughs> i dare you yeah well you dare them to find it illegally because you couldn't even find it illegally <laughs> i know that's true that if seems to be the hardest know. way to see it is illegally yeah. <laughs> but uh thank you all for listening and see you soon bye-bye